Is it possible to grow your muscles, to put on some strength and perform at a high level if you're eating a high fat, low carbohydrate diet? Well, most people will tell you no, it's impossible to do that, you need your carbs. Well, in this episode, we have the man, Robert Sykes, to break it all down for you so you can understand how keto could help you grow muscle and perform better in life. people that are just getting in or getting back in, I think knowing their why and understanding what it is that drives them is key and having a long-term view as to what it is they want to accomplish. Like for me, I've never really been a fan of this, you know, really short-term gain scenarios. Like I want to do things that I'm excited to incorporate into my day-to-day life and chip away at every single day for the rest of my life. And I feel like if people approach their nutrition, their career endeavors, their relationship, their strength endeavors with the similar fashion, they cannot afford to not improve because if they're chipping away at it every single day, even if it's just an incremental progress, that compounds over time in an exponential manner and they will get better without a doubt if they just keep sticking with it. I'm a certified functional health practitioner who's on a mission to educate 1 billion people. I've been obese for most of my life. From rock bottom to the top of the mountain, I am passionate about studying ancient healing strategies like fasting and the ketogenic diet and curating this information on the Keto Camp podcast. My goal is to bring you the thought leaders in this space. My name is Ben Azadi, and I wanna thank you for spending part of your day with me. Hey, Keto Camper, Ben Azadi here, best-selling author of three books, founder of Keto Camp. You can learn more about me over at benazadi.com. On today's episode, we have the Keto Savage himself, Robert Sykes, who is a natural competitive bodybuilder, and he did it with keto. And we're going to talk about some several myths regarding ketosis and muscle gain and why it is possible. He is a living example. And Robert is doing some great work out there with the things he's doing with his coaching, his keto brick product, which lives up to high standards of quality ingredients. We'll get into that. And we're going to discuss how to manipulate your calories to actually break through a keto plateau. And it's interesting because he preaches a message that I do as well, which is variation, changing things up. And I, I call it keto flexing and keto flexing could be done with a high carbohydrate day, a high protein day, or just a high caloric day. And he's gonna talk about how to actually do that. We're gonna talk about the metabolism, how the metabolism actually works, especially when you're doing keto. I asked Robert the question about his discipline. How do you develop this discipline? Because this man competed for several years. He's been strict keto for a while. And we get into that topic of discipline. We talk a lot about mindset. I love talking about mindset. So it was just an epic conversation. I can't wait to bring him on the show. It's going to really help you understand how keto works for building muscle and how your metabolism works and how to really break through any keto plateaus and fasting plateaus that you might experience. Before I bring Robert on the show, I want to acknowledge you for choosing the Keto Camp Podcast out of all the shows out there. You chose this one and I'm so grateful. Thank you for pressing play here. Uh, Make sure you subscribe if you haven't done so already. We release a brand new episode every week, two to three times a week. And I want to take a minute here to get to the Apple Podcast rating and review of the week. This is a five-star review from Physician Tennessee titled Best Health Podcast. I've listened to a lot of keto and health podcasts lately, and this is by far the most straightforward and useful one I've found. It's scientific, but relatable and practical. Ben's enthusiasm is also inspiring. Uh, physician in Tennessee, thank you so much. I am grateful. That speaks so many volumes right now because uh, there's amazing keto podcasts and health podcasts out there. And I'm just so grateful you resonate with this one. Keep listening. Thank you for taking the time to leave that rating and review. If you haven't left the show, a rating and review yet on Apple Podcasts, please do so. And if you do, here's a, a gift I'm going to give you. I have a KetoFlex cookbook with 21 fat burning recipes. It retails online for 21 bucks to get that PDF. If you leave the Keto Camp podcast, a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, take a screenshot of that 
and submit that or, or send an email to support at ketocamp.com. Camp is spelled with a K. And we will reply to your screenshot email with a PDF to download the KetoFlex cookbook for free. I want to thank you in advance for doing that. Remember, leave an honest rating and review. It really does help the show grow. Can't wait to give you that cookbook for free. I'm hosting an upcoming fasting masterclass called The Art of Fasting. If you want to learn the best strategies and variations for different fasting schedules, the best and worst ways to break a fast, digging into the research on autophagy and mTOR, and how to make this work for long-term benefits, you'll see amazing results with fasting. It's such a powerful tool. It could help you reduce inflammation. Of course, it'll help with fat loss because you're getting healthy, but also it, it'll help you really understand that the body is hardwired for the old school. Every single one of our cells are designed for feast famine cycles. So this is about a uh, 70 minute presentation. For those who attend live, I give away over $300 worth in digital downloads, meal plans, recipe books, a few of my books downloadable, so I want to encourage you to go to benazadiwebinar.com and get signed up for the next one. That's benazadiwebinar.com. We'll put a link in the podcast notes down below. I want to briefly take a break here and let you know about my favorite coffee in the world. Look, I'm a coffee snob for good reasons because the right coffee source can be healing to the body, can reduce inflammation and result in weight loss. The wrong coffee beans could actually increase inflammation, cause weight loss resistance, and sabotage your keto results. There was a recent study in the Canadian Journal of Physiology and Pharmacology that showed caffeine intake from coffee beans could actually increase fatty acid production and help the participants produce more ketones. Most coffee beans are loaded with pesticides and contaminants and even mold. This is why I love my friends over at Purity Coffee. Hands down the best coffee beans I have ever tried. I have my delicious cup of Purity Coffee in the morning with some grass-fed ghee and MCT oil, and it turns my brain right on and helps my body produce ketones. Purity Coffee is organic, pesticide-free. These beans are specialty grade, and you could get this coffee shipped straight to your door in nitrogen-flushed bags, roastery fresh. Since you are a listener to the Keto Camp Podcast, we have worked out an exclusive coupon code for you to check out Purity Coffee. Head over to www.ketocampcoffee.com. Use Keto Camp at checkout to get 10% off your order. Again, that is www.ketocampcoffee.com. Use the coupon code KETOCAMP at checkout for 10% off your bag of coffee beans. Remember, camp is spelled with a K. All right, let's geek out on the science of keto and muscle growth with Robert Sykes. Robert Sykes is a natural bodybuilder. He's been called the keto savage and also life savage. Their mission statement over at his company is to provide knowledge and motivation to every athlete that aspires to greatness. I love this on his website, quote, life is a funny thing. You're born into it, forced to make a life for yourself, and then you die. The birth and death is guaranteed. The only thing you can control is how you live. Let's welcome to the show, Robert Sykes. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I have the keto savage himself, the life savage with me, and I'm excited to chat with you. It's the first time on the show. I was just on your awesome show, and now you get to be introduced to my wonderful audience. And uh, I'd love to start here. How did you get involved with keto? What is your story? Share with my audience and let us know how this keto savage uh, manifested into the world. Yeah, yeah. So I started way back in the day. I, I I was not keto. I was I was small. I was 115 pounds as a junior in high school, and I was just this small guy, and I wanted to get big and strong for the ladies. So I started, you know, bodybuilding uh, in traditional sense of the word. I would go to the, you know, grocery stores and, and pick up a magazine about how to get big, like a muscle and fitness magazine, and it was all about eating big to get big. So it was, you know, six, seven meals a day, and I was just slamming calories. I was eating 6,000-plus calories a day, and I bulked up to 230 pounds, and thought I was massive, thought I was lean at 230 pounds because I had no perspective as to what being in shape was. So I, I did my first competition. 
I shred down for, for that. And I gave myself 12 weeks, which was the standard protocol in those magazines. And I lost, I believe like 70 or 80 pounds in that 12 week span. And I got really shredded and I won the competition, but I lost my health. My, I sacrificed my health to get that lean that quickly uh, with that protocol. And from there, I just spiraled out of control with a bunch of really, really negative eating disorders that put me in a very dark place emotionally. That coupled with the fact that I was falling into really deep debt and didn't really have a calling in life just kind of really manifested itself in a negative way for me. I got depressed, suicidal, and I just knew there had to be a better way. So I started playing around with another type of dieting protocol called carb backloading, John Kiefer's carb backloading. And that was kind of my introduction to keto. This was before keto was near as popular as it is now. There wasn't any content out on the subject. Uh, but basically, the carb backloading was keto during the day and then high glycemic index carbs right before you go to bed at night. And I was able to do that without really seeing any terrible adverse effects, but I knew it just wasn't right. Like it wasn't the healthiest protocol. I mean, I was literally slamming brownies with syrup on it right before going to bed. And I knew that probably wasn't the best thing to do long term. Probably tasted good, but not good long term. It tasted good. And I was able to stay pretty lean with it, but it just wasn't right. And then it really triggered the binging that I had struggled with and just wasn't good for me, you know, mentally either. Uh, at about that time, I came across, uh, I was listening to Tim Ferriss, and he had Dom Diagostino on the podcast. And that was the first time I'd ever heard of keto as a diet. And that kind of sparked my interest. So I started playing around with it. And that coupled with what I had learned from the backloading protocol, I knew I was onto something. My cravings for really high, highly palatable, unhealthy foods started to diminish. And I just felt much better. I was able to kind of regain control over my, my feeding. And that was not really what was, you know, recommended from a bodybuilding standpoint. I mean, you can't really get big and, and get lean without carbs. Uh, that's what everybody in the gym was telling me. But I was, you know, <laughs> bound to determine to prove them wrong. So I did. I stuck with it. And I decided to go fully keto through my, my building phase, through my cutting phase. And in 2017, I earned my bodybuilding pro card as a natural athlete following a strict ketogenic approach. And from that moment on, I knew I was onto something. I, I, dealt with so many people that had struggled with similar, you know, eating disorders. So to be able to bring an alternative to them that was not going to sacrifice their performance and actually improve their health and their relationship with food was kind of my calling in life. So I started to put out content around that. I started a YouTube channel, I started a podcast, I started my Instagram page, and I just built that up, started gaining some traction. About that time, keto was gaining in popularity, and it just took over, and the rest is history. It's been my calling ever since, and I just pretty much live every day today by putting out as much content as possible and adding as much value as I humanly can. Yeah. And you do a great job at that. And your content is, is wonderful. That's crazy. You were one of the first keto adapted uh, bodybuilders out there. You must've gotten so much heat. People telling you, how is this possible? Did that add to like the chip on your shoulder to help you keep going? Oh, for sure. For sure. Like I probably would not have been the strict keto guy, strict keto guy had I not heard so many people tell me that I couldn't do it. Like I love proving people wrong. So that definitely helped. <laughs> yeah. Whatever you can use for fuel, use it. Right. Absolutely. So when was that, when you heard that episode with Tim Ferriss, what year did you learn about keto? I want to say it was 2013, 2014. I, I had dabbled in keto from that John Keeper's backloading protocol before I heard that episode. That was the first time I'd heard anything about keto, you know, on mainstream uh, content, like a podcasting episode. And I, I want to say that was released in 2014 or 15. But then ever since then, I've pretty much been strict keto and haven't looked back since. So you say pretty much been strict keto. So tell me a little bit more about that. Does that mean for the last six years, like what percentage have you been in ketosis for the last six years? If you could give me an answer, like an idea. 100%. 100%. Yeah, strict keto, 100% for the past six years. No you've doubt. Been, you've been in ketosis for the last six years. Absolutely. And you are thriving too. That, that, that is awesome. So, all right, let's talk a little bit about that discipline. First of all, to be a athlete, it requires a lot of discipline. To stay in ketosis and be so strict, it requires uh, discipline. To build your business and your brand, it requires this word called discipline. How are you able to harness discipline on a daily basis? I don't know, man. I, I look at what I've done in my life thus far, and I recognize that all the success that I've ever you know, accomplished, all, all the success I've ever experienced has come from chipping away at things that are oftentimes not considered desirable things that are not the sexy things in life, but just being able to chip away at and put my head down and grind on them day in, day out and enjoy that process. Like I love it. 
uh, that's why I love bow hunting and climbing up mountain steeps and, and not probably even seeing an animal. That's why I love bodybuilding because bodybuilding, especially natural bodybuilding, I mean, you're not going to become a natural pro bodybuilder overnight. It's just basically the years and years and years of lifting consistently every single day of your life that's going to yield that result. And I think of, you know, strict keto and what I've learned in that process. And I, I believe that the reason I'm able to perform at a high level with a strict ketogenic approach is because I don't deviate from that. As with most things in life, the more you work at it, the better you get. And by not going back and forth and, and viewing things as the grass always being green on the other side, I can just continue to become more and more efficient and, and polished in my craft. And my craft involves an obsessive amount of discipline. And I've learned to just love what that involves. People stray away from things and I'm drawn to them. Yeah, that's that's a good lesson for everybody. You know, the keto campers could learn that. You embraced the suck and then you just kept showing up. You kept showing up. You faced two roads. The, the road that is very easy, a lot of people go down. That could be a fad approach, a diet approach. And then you faced another road that was more of a, a difficult road, the, the road, the extra mile, if you will. And there's never traffic on that extra mile. And you chose that extra mile. And it's, re it's really impressive because not a lot of people could say that. A lot of people have these goals. They'll start off and they'll, they'll taper off. You, you see it all the time. So I want to know about somebody who is starting keto because 2021, a lot of people are going to start keto. Maybe somebody is restarting keto. What are some lessons, lessons that you've learned? and learn, learn from your clients that they could apply day one so they don't make those same mistakes. So I just had you on my podcast prior to this recording. You spoke very strongly about your why, making sure your why is strong, which is going to make the how much more sustainable, much more easy to stick to. And I mean, it boils down to that in a nutshell. Like for me, my why as to why I stay strict keto is because I just know it works. I remember how bad I suffered with the eating disorders and just the, the emotional distress that came with not having control over the food that I was putting in my mouth. And I don't ever want to go back to that. And for me, strict keto was the solution for that. So I'm motivated to, to stay strict keto. I don't have to play around with the temptation. For people that are just getting in or getting back in, I think knowing their why and understanding what it is that drives them is key. And having a long-term view as to what it is they want to accomplish. Like for me, I've never really been a fan of this, you know, really short-term gain scenarios. Like I want to do things that I'm excited to incorporate into my day-to-day -day life and chip away at every single day for the rest of my life. And I feel like if people approach their nutrition, their career endeavors, their relationship, their strength endeavors with the similar fashion, they cannot afford to not improve because if they're chipping away at it every single day, even if it's just an incremental progress, that compounds over time in an exponential manner and they will get better without a doubt that they just keep sticking with it. So true. That why is, is so important. And then once you determine the why, keep it in front of you, keep it everywhere, put it on your fridge. Now, the next thing is this, because a lot of people say, oh, all right, my why is to lose weight and get healthy, right? What would you say to somebody who says that's the, their why? Do you feel like there's some layers behind that? Yeah, there's definitely layers. I mean, you know, I, I look at YouTube, for instance, YouTube, like my wife, Crystal and I, we've documented like a lot of things with our YouTube channel, like hardships and that we've gone through, you know, moving states, et cetera, et cetera. And I don't make those videos for us to watch later. I mean, I hardly ever watch those videos, you know, but I'm excited for my kids to watch those, you know, that's kind of like the modern day photo album. And I feel like when you view things through the lens of people you care about in life, because life, it all distills down to the relationships and the people you know and the impact you make. It's not so much about, you know, the temporary pleasure that I personally receive from things. So if you're getting healthy so that your kids, your grandkids, your spouse can enjoy more quality years with you on this planet, that to me is the greatest use of your knowledge, your efforts, your endeavors towards getting healthier. So if that's your underlying why, it's almost like, I mean, you owe it to them to stay healthy. And if you're not giving your best output for them, then you probably should rethink why it is you're doing this in the first place. Ah, well said. Being unhealthy is the most selfish thing that, that you can do because not only are you suffering, but also those around you, your family, they can't get your true personality. If you're on a vacation, but you're hurting all the time, you want to go take a nap, you don't have energy, everybody suffers. And if you get sick, they have to take care of you. But when you are healthy, that is being responsibility, then everybody gets your true version of yourself. So it's not, I just want to get healthy and I want to lose weight. That's my why. There's layers around that. Maybe you want, like Robert says, you want to be around to have energy for your kids. You want to do jumping jacks with your grandkids. So getting really clear on that 
is going to be huge for those of you who have set out these goals in 2021, not just for health, but anything. Get that why, get clear with it. And then once you have that, you keep it in front of you and then you just match your daily activity to that, like Robert did, right? He embraced it and he kept just every single day showing up to that why and he enjoyed the journey along the way. 100%. So let's talk a bit, a little bit about these keto products out there. Uh, you're somebody who has a keto product. You have the Keto Brick. Talk about the Keto Brick, how that came about, how it's formulated, and then let's talk about other keto products. You don't have to name them, but what are some red flags to pay attention to when we're looking at sourcing and ingredients? Yeah, so the Brick was made as a way to scratch my own itch. During my 2017 competition prep, when I earned that pro card uh, with a ketogenic approach, I was looking for a way to, there was no products on the market at the time for keto. I wanted something that allowed me to hit my macronutrient goals and ratios much, much easier, was easily implemented into my meal prep, didn't require cooking or a bunch of kitchen time, and just simplified the entire process. Because when you're in a prep, when you're in a caloric deficit, when you're struggling every single day to make ends meet, you know, the fewer opportunities for decision fatigue, the better. And being able to make something that just fit that need was key. So I made the brick out of my own necessity, never really planned on making it into a product. And then I, I was documenting my journey on YouTube. So I, I showed it on one of the clips and people kept asking about it. What is this? What's the recipe? Where can I buy this, et cetera, et cetera. And I just kind of, you know, disregarded, oh, it's nothing. It's something I'm working on uh, for my own use. And then my mom, who's probably my only YouTube subscriber at the time, was like, people keep asking about this brick. You got to make this into a product. And she kept saying that. And then finally, my girlfriend at the time, wife now, was like, well, let's just try it and see what happens. So she dug deep into what it would take to have a, a food product and all the health code violations and rules and requirements. In that regard, I dove deep into creating a physical product, inventory, accounting, finance, all of that. And then we kept all of the production in-house. We would make these things. We started leasing this commercial kitchen space by the hour that was three hours away. So we would drive three hours, stay up all night making these, come back, and then we'd put them on the website and they would sell. Like Our first launch, we sold out in like two minutes. Wow. And it was just crazy. It was mind-blowing. So we kept doing that. It kept growing. And the, the momentum and the support just kept amplifying. So we knew we were on to something good. So here we are today. We have three buildings. We just purchased a massive 15,000 square foot facility that we're getting renovated to move our production into. And, you know, we've kept all the production in-house. We haven't outsourced it like many other companies do because I want to have complete oversight into the quality of the product. I believe in it. I stand by it. I eat one every single day and a half for the past year, over a year. But basically, in doing that, I've, I've, got, I've gotten a keen eye for what I look for in other keto products because with the popularity and the hype of keto, you see these products pop up everywhere. And I've got a couple red flags. One is that you can't have any of the, the seed oils. You can't have any of the you know, unnecessary carbohydrate fillers. Um, there's just a ton of sweeteners that I don't really play around with. I pretty much keep it super simple with stevia. And monk fruit is pretty much the only sweeteners. I'll play a little bit with erythritol, not in the bricks, but just my own personal consumption. So what are the what are those uh, carb fillers and industrial seed oils to look out for? Like what are the specific names for them? Any of the seed oils, like the vegetable oils, the canola oils, the linseed oil, soybean oil, any of that I stay completely away from and I don't consume products that have them. The filler products, a lot of these, like a lot of products out there, if you look there, they're just marketing to the net carb counters which to me is kind of dicey advertising. Like I want the full complete picture. So if you look at a bar and it's got one gram of net carb, two grams of net carbs, but then you turn the label over and it's got 28 grams of total carbs, that's a massive red flag. If there are more protein and carbohydrate grams than fat grams, I don't really think it's fair to advertise that as a ketogenic product um, by definition. So I personally stay away from those types of foods and even having a keto product I always encourage people to make the majority of their calories come from whole animal-based food sources and not products. Like the brick is a supplemental addition to that well-formulated base foundation of animal products. I don't ever recommend people make the base and the majority of their calories come up from, you know, processed foods. I want to take a quick break here to share with you about the dangers of taking fish oil. I know, shocking. I was somebody who took fish oil every single day for years and then i came across a ton of research showing the dangers of consuming fish oil i immediately found an amazing product called pureform pureform is a plant-based omega and the cool thing about pureform is that it is uniquely processed with nitrogen to preserve it and make sure it does not oxidize 
these essential fatty acids are cold pressed and you get the proper balance of omega-6 and omega-3 to feed your cells what it desires. We know that life begins and ends at the cell membrane. And when you have the proper fats, the building blocks for those cell membranes, all of a sudden your fat burning hormones can do its job. So you lose weight. All of a sudden your cells produce energy. So you feel good. So we know that cellular health is key for performance and longevity. So I've been taking Pureform every single day. My dog takes it every single day. So does my girlfriend and my mom. This is how much I love the product. If you want to get your bottle delivered to your door, head over to purelifescience.com. Check them out. Order a bottle or two, and you'll be amazed by how you feel after taking this just after a few days. That is purelifescience.com. Use the coupon code BEN4 to apply a $4 off coupon. That is BEN, B-E-N, and the number four. International shipping is available. Okay, let's go back into this episode of the Keto Camp Podcast. So the keto brick, for those who are not clear on it yet, is a it's a meal replacement bar for keto. Is that what it is? Yeah, it's a thousand calories, so it's not a bar. It's pretty much a brick. Um, so yeah, yeah a thousand calories mo- depends a little bit on the flavor, but most of the bricks are about ninety grams of fat, around thirty grams of protein, and you know between sixteen is the highest total carb, all the way down to nine total carbs on certain flavors. So everything's total carbs, not net carbs, and it's definitely ketogenic. I mean, you can have one of those, and unlike a lot of the other bars you're not going to have the GI distress because we're not putting a bunch of those filler sweeteners in there either. So it's just a high quality food. We use cacao butter as the base. So the steric acid in the cacao butter is just going to be absorbed and utilized by the body very, very efficiently. And you're not going to have any of the adverse effects that come with a lot of other filler products. Do you use inulin? Is inulin in your product? Nope, no inulin. I'm not a fan of inulin. I mean, it's it's a lot of, it's going to be bio-individual. Some people can respond better than others, but I don't like the inulin. If there's not a point in it from a performance standpoint, because I made the brick for my performance during the bodybuilding prep. So none of the ingredients that we use are just a a haphazard uh, filler. I mean, everything has a purpose. Every ingredient is there to contribute to the optimizing of that performance. So if it's got a filler in there, I don't want it. Yeah, I could appreciate the thought process that goes into it. I love that you have everything in-house. So you're looking at it. Yeah, inulin, I've seen for people who have SIBO, especially, it'll flare them up. It'll give them gas and bloating. Also, the sugar alcohol. So I love that you have monk fruit or stevia. Those are my go-to as well when I'm having some uh, sweeteners that are not sugar. That's not sugar. So yeah, vegetable oils, carb fillers. That's important, keto campers, because guess what? Most companies are not doing what Robert does. Other companies are putting their profit over health. Rob's putting health over profit. So it's important to not fall for magic marketing and net carbs and all that, but turn it around, look at the ingredients, maybe send them an email, find out what their sourcing is, and then you could make a better decision because keto is popular. We talked about it on your podcast. And with that, there's a whole host of keto products and educators, but not everybody has your best interest or health in mind. They have their best interest in mind. Anything else you want to add to that, Rob? No, man, I completely agree. You know, like a lot of people, they just, a lot of companies that are outsourcing this. And speaking of outsourcing, this is something I didn't really realize at the beginning, but most of the nutrition labels that you see, there's basically a 20% window of error. So like they can have within 20% margin there of accuracy. So that's that's kind of a red flag in itself. So that's one reason I've kept it all in-house. And then because most companies are outsourcing this and going through a co-packer, or some larger scale manufacturer, they're kind of having to bend to the rules of those co-packers because the co-packers aren't going to lose money. Like they don't care about your health. The company itself may, but they're having to bend to the whims and the wills of these co-packers. So that was another reason I wanted to just keep everything in house and have complete oversight because I didn't want to sacrifice what was, you know, intended to be in the beginning and will continue to be all about health and performance and optimization. Speaking of health and performance and optimization, I would be remiss if I didn't ask the keto bodybuilder himself, how do you actually build muscle on keto? If you could lay out maybe a general game plan for somebody listening or watching who wants to put on size and performance and follow a ketogenic diet. Yeah, so not to oversimplify it, but honestly, if you are implementing some form of progressive overload and increasing the intensity of your training, whether that be through time under tension, increased intensity, more frequency, more duration, some form of progressive overload, heavier weight, something of that nature. In the context of being in a caloric surplus, 
even if that caloric surplus is coming from strict ketogenic macronutrient ratios, you will build muscle. You know, that's the way it works. A lot of people try and over, over, you know, intensify it and make it this seem like this crazy difficult thing that you've got to manipulate to be a, done a certain way just to build muscle on keto. And that's honestly not the case. If you're eating adequate food at a surplus to fuel that growth, you know, muscle protein synthesis is going to happen if you're implementing the progressive overload and you will build muscle. As with anything, it's not going to happen overnight. And a lot of people, they get the mistake of they'll have carbs and they'll gain a bunch of weight. They'll feel a lot stronger because they've got all that water retention, you know, the increase in glycogen storage, and they associate that with an increase in lean mass. And that's just not the case. I mean, if you look at any natural bodybuilder that's following a traditional carb-based approach, they'll tell you that after about 10 years of lifting, any gain that you see in lean mass is very incremental. It's not going to happen overnight. It gets harder and harder to build muscle tissue over time because your body's so used to the different stimuli you've subjected to over 10 years of training. Muscle maturity is a thing. And if you're doing that with a ketogenic approach and you're having ketogenic you know, macronutrient ratios in a surplus and training hard with progressive overload, you will build muscle. So you say progressive overload on a consistent basis. So that could be either weight or time under tension. How often do you recommend a workout like that each week? And then what role does cardio, if any, play with this process? So I train in an eight-day rotational split. So the way I've got it set up for me personally is I train in an eight-day block. I train six of those eight days and two days of recovery days. By doing it in an eight-day rotation, I'm not having like leg day, for instance, does not always fall on Monday. I'm able to kind of mix things up so that it just kind of spreads it out and averages out over time. I'm hitting each muscle group twice. So I'm getting, uh, you know, a double frequency with each given muscle group, which is good. You don't want to go, um, especially after you've been lifting for a while, it's not really optimal to have, you know, a week in between hitting the same muscle group again. So within those eight days, you're hitting the same muscle group twice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so like, like legs, I have two leg days, I have two back days, but I've got, here's the caveat, with each time I'm hitting, you know, legs, for instance, one day is focused on lifting very heavy. The next day is focused on more of a hypertrophy base, a little bit more high volume, a little bit less weight, a little bit more repetition, just high volume in general. So by doing that, I'm kind of getting the best of both worlds. I'm stimulating the muscle twice, but I'm having one day primarily focused on just lifting very heavy and one more on hypertrophy. So I'm just kind of hedging my bets and covering all my bases. And that's, that's done really, really well for me. I've been training that way for about the past two years, and I've seen more success in that than traditional one body part a week kind of stimuli. And how long are those workouts on average? Uh, usually about an hour and 15 minutes, hour and a half, something like that. And as far as cardio goes, I ramp that up in a competition prep. I don't do a ton of cardio, you know, intended cardio in my building phase. I have been running about a mile a day because I just like it. That's kind of my meditation time more so than anything. But you don't want to just kill yourself on the cardio. I would, I would always prioritize lifting and building as much lean tissue as opposed to just spending hours on the treadmill. And if somebody did do cardio with a strength training workout, do you recommend doing that cardio before the strength training or after? I like to do it after because if I'm doing cardio, I, I try to be fairly intense. So I don't like to exhaust myself to the point that my workout would suffer. So I prefer to do it afterwards. And then I'll kind of use that more of as a cool down than a warm up. Got it. So that makes sense. So six out of eight days, you're doing these uh, different muscle groups. You're hitting up twice. One day is a higher weight or yeah, heavier weight, lower reps. And then the other one is higher repetitions, less weight. And you're getting the best of both worlds. And typically during your building phase, you're not doing much cardio. Okay, got it. That's helpful. So you mentioned caloric manipulation. What are some other, well, first of all, let's caveat this with the conversation that yes, me and Robert both agree that calories matter, but we also agree that they're not the most important thing depending on what your goal is. But let's say your goal is you're stuck with keto and maybe you could find a clever way to kind of manipulate calories to help break a plateau. Have you ever done that and what would you do? Yeah, totally. So I see this, I'll just use an avatar as an example. I see so many female clients that I've had that have come to me and they've been just chronically under eating for years. And they'll try keto and then they may see a little bit of progress, but then they'll plateau and then they're just stuck. But the problem is their metabolic and caloric baseline has been so downregulated over years of chronically under eating that there's not really much room for them to improve. So the first thing you have to do is ramp those baselines back up, upregulate metabolism, upregulate your caloric baseline so that your new norm is at a much healthier intake. The more calories you have to start with going into a prep, the more runway you have, so to speak, the, the more manipulation time and maneuverability you'll have. So for me, what I'll typically do is I'll spend four or six months 
in a competition prep because it takes quite a bit of time to get that lean while, you know, maintaining as much lean mass as I've built. So I'll take four to six months to cut down. Then I'll take another two or three months to reverse diet out of that deficit and return back to maintenance. And then I'll be at a maintenance or a surplus for the next two or three years to put on adequate muscle tissue. So the next time I lean down, I look better and improved from the last time I leaned down. So many people go into these chronic just under eating, first of all, or they'll yo-yo and every single year they'll have a new cut, a new cut, a new cut. And if you're spending enough time in a deficit to actually get lean, then you're not going to have enough time in a surplus to build any adequate tissue. So it's important to have enough time at a surplus to build, but then simply being in a surplus, I mean, there's, there's a lot of misnomers that go with how to healthfully go through a surplus. Because when you're eating at a surplus, by definition, your ketones are not going to be as high as when they are in a deficit. I mean, ketogenic diet in its in its raw form is a an evolutionary adaptation to starvation, basically. So when you're not starving, when you're force feeding, in a sense, you're not going to have as high ketone numbers. But that doesn't mean you're any less fat adapted if you've been following a ketogenic protocol up to that point. So having these periods of being in a surplus, having these periods of being in a deficit allows your metabolic function to just be much more polished and you'll see better progress in building muscle and in losing fat when those cycles are, when you're in those cycles. I love that. It's similar to the principle that I teach called keto flexing because what it's doing, Robert, it's creating adaptation. It's creating a change. And we know that when you force adaptation, good cells get stronger, bad cells don't adapt to so the body, thrives off of adaptation. Ketosis is adaptation. Fasting is adaptation. This process that you just explained so well is adaptation. Now you mentioned really lightly that this doesn't mean when you're having a calorie surplus that you're necessarily eating anything that you want. I know that you have a pet peeve and I share it with you. And that word is a cheat day. What are your thoughts on a cheat day? Yeah, I'm definitely not a fan. I mean, having been keto, strict keto for six years now, I've made it sustainable. I don't need to deviate from that. Like when I'm in a prep, I'm tracking every single thing to the gram. and I don't deviate at all during that time of a prep. But I wouldn't want to sustain that year round per se, because then it would become insustainable. Mm -hmm. But when I'm in a surplus, when I'm in a building phase, I'll be at a, at a you know, increase in calories, but I'm not deviating from a ketogenic diet and ketogenic foods. I'm still eating high quality foods, but I'll, I'll have things that are a little bit, a little bit more relaxed, a little bit more laid back. That makes it more sustainable for me. But that is not deviating and going to Waffle House and just ordering everything on the menu. You know, I did that when I was pre-keto days and it never turned out well. So having a cheat meal, having a treat meal, it's just, it's rewarding. It's having the psychological effect. Like I want to be, you know, I want to desire the things that I know are going to improve my well-being. I don't want to be attracted to things that are not going to improve my day-to-day. -day. Even if it's just to ma maintain neutrality, like I'm either going to get better, or I'm going to get worse. That's how I look at all things in life. I'm either going to get better or I'm going to get worse. If it's not causing me to get better, then I, have, I want no part of it. Yeah, me too. And and I call it a, a feast day instead of a cheat day because that's a different definition and a different routine. So that's important to, to state. I know that you recently went on a, a hunting trip with uh, Danny Vega, who's actually who introduced us. So shout out to Danny. He's been on the show. And Mike Mutzel, who's been on the show as well. So I want to hear about your trip. It was a hunting trip. Tell us about it. What are some of your favorite takeaways and memories from that trip? Yeah, so we actually, I've got a family farm that's been with us for five generations now down in South Arkansas. We got a little cabin right down the river. That's my little piece of paradise. That's where we have our Thanksgiving. That's where we have our deer camps. And to be able to get those guys down there and spend a week and just enjoy each other. There's no cell phone service. There's no technology. It's literally just sitting over a campfire, enjoying some big old thick ribeye steaks and enjoying each other's company. And the bonding that takes place in situations and environments like that, you just can't begin to put into words. It's not something that you can replicate via an Instagram DM or Facebook message. And I treasure moments like those. So being able to be there with those guys and share those experiences, especially, you know, Danny, he's not the most experienced outdoorsman. So being able to kind of subject him to these new experiences that he's never had before and see how his reactions unfold is just very rewarding. Last year, he was down there for the first time and, and killed his first deer. And I was with him throughout the whole process. I watched him, I coached him through pulling the trigger and, you know, how to cut the deer up, how to process the deer, how to cook the deer. I mean, he was literally eating the deer he had killed an hour prior. And that experience is something that it's just amazing. You get, you get much more in tune with the food that you're consuming and you appreciate it that much more. You appreciate life that much more. 
Yeah, and I had a conversation with Maria Emmerich about that. A lot of people got on her case. She had posted a photo of uh, a deer. She had, had, I think it was a deer or a buck. Is that the same thing? A deer and a buck? I'm, I, I'm, I'm a noob in this yeah. field. It's, it's the bull, same thing. Buck is a male deer. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. You can tell I'm a noob here. So she posted that, and she got all this backlash, and she shared about it. But that it connects you to the world that you live in. When we're ordering food on Uber Eats or going to the grocery store, it disconnects us and we have less appreciation. But when you actually do what these guys are doing, you are connected to that food source. And that's actually the way that we're designed to be. So that's super cool, man. Maybe one day I'll go out there and you'll teach me a lot. I need to learn a lot hey, about Open invitation. Welcome to town. <laughs> awesome, brother. So let's talk about your uh, Instagram page. You had your page taken down three times this year. Yeah, three times it's been disabled, and then twice I got it back. And it was all within like a couple of weeks of each other. And then it got disabled again for the third time on Thanksgiving Day. And at that point, it's like, I just don't even care anymore. I, I submitted all the appeals and tried to get it back because that was the Instagram account I had very first started when I got into keto. It's taken me years to build it up to the size that it was, and it's now no more. So I had to restart my whole Instagram account from zero, ground zero. and it's unfortunate, but I'm honestly, I, I'm just, I don't care anymore. Like I don't care about playing that game anymore. I'm just going to keep doing what I can do. I'm going to keep controlling what I can impact. And then things that I can't, then I, I'm not going to lose sleep over. What, what was your, uh, your following count when it got taken down? I want to say it was like just under 40,000. I want to, I want to say. And why do you think that they did that? I have no idea, man. It's, it's weird because at that time it was right before the elections and there was a ton of people in the keto space even posting very controversial political, uh, you know, statements. And I didn't post anything controversial. I didn't post anything political. I didn't really post anything keto. I'm not honestly very good about posts on Instagram. So it was weird because my last two posts was a, a, about my wife. It was like, a you know, I love my wife or something weird like that. And then the next one after that was a picture of a fish that I'd cooked up and eaten. So very uncontroversial. And uh, yeah, got disabled and there is no more. Yeah, that's that's super weird, man. It's it's a crazy world that we live in with big tech censorship, and we talked about it on your show. I don't know where it's gonna go, but that's why it's important to first of all not put your, all your eggs in one basket, and the mindset you have, like whatever they want to do that, I'll just go somewhere else and take my information there. Or it's not gonna phase me, uh, and then it's gonna open up a whole new world of uh, new platforms like Parler, for example. Not to get controversial on this episode, and I'm not gonna say the word, but. Right now, they're requiring in certain locations to be tested negative for the Rona before you could enter a plane. Uh, it might be that you need to have a, a vaccine passport before you could go on the plane. And if that's the case, I'm personally not going to get that because I'm not going to get that vaccination unless it's proven to be safe. With It's not. Then it's going to open up. Here's the positive thing. It's going to open up an entire new world of private travel. All these companies are going to be more affordable. more. So there's always going to be uh, a new door that opens when one door closes, and that's just a universal law. So where do you see this going with big tech censorship uh, in 2021? Well, there's no way of knowing. I mean, I, I just watched a video the other day that kind of broke down the new Instagram guidelines, and that's pretty scary if you really dive into I it. I saw it on Robert Kennedy's uh, page. Yeah, um, yeah it's, just, it's just bizarre to me that, that this is where things are headed. But if nothing else, this has all motivated me to really double down on my own website. Up to this point, my website's been kind of just, you know, lost in the interwebs. I'm revamping my entire website and I'm going to make that the hub where all the macro content is going to go. And I'm only going to use social media as a form to distribute that micro content that is parceled off from that macro content, which is how I should have done it from the very beginning. And that's kind of what I started out doing, but then I veered away from it. But that's what I'm going to go back to because... I mean, the website that I'm building out is it's it's not using any other server. I mean, it's not using any other website builder. Like it's custom made from the ground up to my specs. And I'm going to have complete control over it. And I'm going to do things just the way I want to do it. And I'm not going to rely on any other social platform to be my end-all be-all. So I feel like anybody that makes a livelihood off of creating and distributing content would be would benefit from going that direction. Yeah, it's smart. It's so smart. You want that to be your hub. You have control over that. And then, yeah, you could distribute other things, little tidbits of nuggets on other platforms. So I love that idea. It actually inspires me to put more resources into my website. So that's a great idea. So let's talk a little bit about your 2021 vision. You know, what are you doing with your company? What are some of the things that light you up when you think about this brand new year? So 
I've, I've never really been a fan of resolutions in the traditional sense of the word because I feel like motivation and excitement for the new year is great. But a lot of times that fizzles out and it doesn't have the staying power that it's needed to make tangible progress. So I've always kind of geared toward manifestos. I've recorded a, a manifesto for myself every single year. And my manifesto for 2021 is all about doing more 365 Savage. So rather than doing like a 75 hard program, which has gotten a lot more popular yeah. over the past several months, I'm doing 365 Savage. So what are the things that I can do every single day for the rest of this year and, and beyond to move me closer to the goal? So that's kind of the theme and the manifesto for the year. But I've got some some big picture things happening. One is we're, we're going to have the building that we just purchased fully renovated about June or July of next year. So we'll be moving into that. Crystal and I just purchased a house. Up to this point, we've been living in an office in a warehouse. So we're going to move into an actual house, which would be nice. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I've got a book that I've been writing on for quite a while now. I'm hoping to, I will publish that this year, this coming year. I've got two other business endeavors that are going to launch uh, in 2021 as well. So I've got I've got a lot of things in the pipeline, man. A lot of a lot of exciting things coming up. The website's getting redone. Like I said, I'm, I'm launching two other websites and two other businesses. So always something happening. I, I love it. I'm a serial entrepreneur. My my mind starts spinning, and I just you know have to dive into all kinds of different things. But I'm going to continue to grow the keto brick business and and expand upon that. I've got several applications out right now. We're hiring more people, bringing on more talent. We're just going to keep growing and take over the world, man. That's right. Let's cut through all that garbage, all that noise out there. What is the new book about? It's all about keto competition prep. So the bodybuilding space, I fear, is going to be the last to adopt and see the benefit in the ketogenic diet because most bodybuilders are just bullheaded. <laughs> and uh, I speak to that fairly because I am one. Right. But I feel like there's so much to gain from using a ketogenic approach in natural bodybuilding. So this book is all about how to do that properly, implement it through the contest prep, the reverse that, and also the building phase. So that's pretty much the, the premise of the book there. What is it? Do you have a title for it yet? Not exactly. I mean, I may just go super ultra niche with it and, and just do like keto contest prep manual or something like that, or I yeah. may think of something a little bit more eye-catching, but it'll be it'll be very specific and tactical in, in nature. Cool. Well, I can't wait for it. We, we'll bring you back on when you release it. Speaking of your website, what is your website and what are the best places to go check out your information? Yeah, so it's ketosavage.com. By the time this goes live, that new website will not be launched, but it'll be the same URL, so ketosavage.com for that. And uh, yeah, the podcast, which is also the Keto Savage podcast, anything Keto Savage, you type that in, you'll find me, except my Instagram now, which got deleted. It was the Keto Savage. Now it is Live Savage. Yeah. So, yeah, so there you go. Go check out Robert. He's doing great work. Uh, I was just on his podcast. And uh, what are some closing words of wisdom that you want to share with the keto campers, those who just closed out a year, uh, which was a character building year for so many people? What are some words of wisdom you could share with them to inspire them to have the best year ever? Main thing, man, is to just double down on your passions in a way that excites you and is something that you can use to add value to others and then put forth that knowledge so that you're held accountable by that, by by putting yourself out there. Like, like you and I have done in the keto space, for instance, we put this information out there and people benefit from it. But if you and I are being honest with ourselves, the reasons we are able to continue doing it is because those people, that community gives back to us in a way that they would never even be able to know. So having that, having something you're passionate about and doubling down on and just consistent with every single day is the most rewarding thing I've ever done with my life. And if people find that in themselves, whether it's keto or bodybuilding or business or how to raise guinea pigs, finding that thing that they're passionate about and then just doubling down on and going all in and creating a life around it. If you can find that, you will have not lived a life in vain. Mm, such great advice. If only they gave that advice in, in school, right? So find your purpose and then live on purpose with your purpose. And you're going to find yourself having stamina and energy like you never had before. I could relate to that, brother. Robert, I want to acknowledge you for the work you're doing in the keto community, the bodybuilding community, just showing up out there. You're creating, creating great content. I'm excited to hear more about the new book coming out. I'm excited to connect with you at your new studio and uh, to have you down here in Miami at the Keto Camp HQ. So thank you so much for coming on the Keto Camp podcast. Keep rocking it. We're going to put all of Robert's information for his website, social media, maybe not the Instagram. We'll put it there too. But down below in the podcast notes and here in the YouTube video. So thank you again, Robert. This has been fantastic. Thank you, man. Thank you. 
I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Robert. Go check him out on his social media. Go check out his website, ketosavage.com. I've been using his keto bricks the last few days. Me and my girlfriend, Natasia, we've been enjoying it. So you could find that over on his website as well, ketosavage.com. If you enjoyed this episode with Robert, please leave the podcast a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts and take a screenshot. Send that over to support at ketocamp.com so you could claim your free download of the KetoFlex cookbook that retails for $21. Also, text this episode to a friend. Let them know you think they could get value from this. Maybe it's somebody struggling to put on some muscle on keto or they just want to learn how to break a plateau on keto. Send it to them. Take a screenshot of this episode of the Keto Camp Podcast and tag me and Robert on Instagram. My Instagram handle is at the Benazadi. And Robert's Instagram handle currently, unless they take him off again, is at Life Savage. We'll put links for that down below in the podcast notes. Just a reminder of the upcoming Fasting Masterclass. If you haven't signed up yet, head to benazadiwebinar.com and you can get secured for your spot to learn the most advanced strategies for fasting. And we talk about how to do it if you're a beginner as well, benazadiwebinar.com. Thanks so much for listening to the entire episode of the Keto Camp Podcast. You'll hear me on the next one. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Benazadi, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or non-direct interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.